Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open with me to two passages this morning. I want you to mark them. Uh, the first one is John chapter 10, and the second one is Psalm 23. You can go to John 10 first. We'll be reading out of there this morning. But John chapter 10 and Psalm 23. And I want to go ahead and give you my title if you're taking notes this morning. I hope that you are. I have a few things I would love for you to write down. Uh, the title this morning is a name of God, actually. It's one of my favorite names of God. It's Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write that at the top. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. Before we look at the text, I'll tell you, not too long ago, I had to stop for gas late at night. I hate stopping for gas late at night. It's sketchy, and I ended up at Circle K, which I don't know if you've been to Circle K lately. Listen, if you work at Circle K, I'm sorry. Circle K is a little bit of a sketchy gas station. I don't know why people get coffee and hot dogs from there, but some people love it. I'm not mad at them. I was at Circle K late at night filling my car up with gas, and every time I'm filling my car up with gas, especially late at night, I remember something I saw on YouTube. It's not funny. It's actually terrifying, but I saw something on YouTube not too long ago, and you may have seen this video. There's something that happens at gas stations. You know, you have to be careful when you're pumping gas. It's a vulnerable spot. And what happens is there's these people, and they have a name when you're pumping gas. They're called sliders. Sliders. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. It's not a joke. It's very serious. Sliders. And when people are pumping gas, what these people do is they prey on people while they're pumping gas, especially late at night. And here's what happens. The reason they're called sliders, the people will be parked pumping gas. And when you're pumping gas, there's the opposite side of the car that's a blind spot where you can't necessarily see and what happens at these gas stations sometimes, late at night, is sliders come in and they, they hit the blind spot while the person's pumping gas. What they do is they come to the opposite side, the driver's side, they try the door handles, they see if they're unlocked. And what they do is, the reason they're called sliders is because they slide in, they get what they need, and they get out before you realize they're there. As I was watching the video on YouTube, one of the drivers had their car parked, and the slider came in, hit that blind spot, opened the back left door on the driver's side, came in, woman's purse was in the car, valuables, phone still in the car, some cash still in the car. You watch this video, I mean, it's probably 10 seconds, boom. Purse, cash, phone, close the door, gone, person doesn't even know they're there. Sliders, they hit a blind spot. And every single time I'm pumping my gas at night, this is what went through my mind. A verse came to mind. I wanna ask you, does the Lord ever bring scripture to your mind randomly at the, at the weirdest times? <laughs> I'll tell you, he will bring scripture to you. He brought John 10, 10 to my mind, which says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy, and I want you to know, much worse than a blind spot while you're pumping gas. What I thought about in that moment is what I want to ask you this morning. Do you have any blind spots? Do you have any blind spots? Not just when you're pumping gas. <laughs> It'll be quick, we can knock that out. But spiritual blind spots. Because even more than a slider at a gas station, I want, you to, I want you to understand, the devil is coming, especially around the holiday season, to steal, kill, and destroy. And what he wants to steal, kill, and destroy is your joy and your hope. And here's how the devil operates. I'm telling you, we're gonna get into it this morning. He's very crafty, he's not creative, but he's very crafty. And what he does is, he operates like a slider, he hits your blind spots. He comes in in areas where you're not necessarily looking for him, and oftentimes he tries to take that which is valuable, like your joy, your confidence, your peace. Even though he can't, he tries to take it from you before you ever realize he was there. That's what a blind spot is. 
Now, the reason why the title of my sermon is The Lord My Shepherd is because in order to overcome the enemy, we need a shepherd. The rest of John 10, 10, I love it because it says this. Jesus says, I have come, and you know this verse, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And that's where Jesus says, the exact text, where he says, I am the good shepherd. This holiday season, when the enemy comes to you attacking your blind spots, if it's just you and the enemy, you're gonna be out of luck. <laughs> I gotta tell you, the devil has far more experience tempting people than you do fighting temptation. The enemy has far more experience fighting temptation than you do. The reason you need a shepherd is because when the enemy does come to try to steal, kill, and destroy, if you are with the shepherd, you have no reason to fear. You have no reason to worry. You are planted in the word of God. That's why around this holiday season, scripture memory is more important than ever before. Because when the enemy comes to you, Jackson, he starts telling you lies, do you know the truth that God has said in his word? As your shepherd, do you know? So this morning, that's what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about sheep and shepherds, namely the good shepherd. So if you will, I want you to look at me at John, look with me at John chapter 10. As we study a little bit about Jesus being the good shepherd, and I really only have two questions for you this morning. I have some subpoints underneath them, but I have two questions I wanna ask you this morning. And I, my prayer is, if I could give you a sermon in a sentence, it would be, once we understand ourselves as sheep, that's when we'll understand our need for the shepherd. Once we understand our, once we understand we are sheep, we'll understand our need for the shepherd. Look with me at John 10. Now this is coming right off of verse 1010, where it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Here's verse 11. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches them and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand, and watch this, doesn't care about the sheep. Jesus is simply teaching the nature of of God. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. In fact, we can keep this verse on the screen. At 21 years old, the very first time the Bible applied to me was this verse. I'd been reading for a few chapters. I never understood how does the Bible apply. I viewed it as a historical text. Many of you struggle to read the Bible because you view it as a historical book. I thought it was a historical book. I didn't realize it was God's word until I read this verse. And this verse, you ever read a verse and it just encapsulates your heart? Just boom, hit you for the first time. I read this verse and I finally applied scripture to my life. I realized, oh, he's talking about me. He knows me. And through his word, through prayer, I get to know him. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Verse 15, but just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Not only that though, I wanna cross reference this to Psalm 23, which is, historically famous. Many of us could quote the whole thing, but I believe it's very important as we talk about sheep and shepherds. And there's some of these I'm gonna pick out word by word. If you look with me at Psalm 23, let's cross-reference New Testament to Old Testament. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David, who was a shepherd himself, says this in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews, God bless you, he renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Verse four, even when I go through the darkest valley, 
I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Amen. Let's pray this morning. God bless you too. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a personal, personal God. Lord, we thank you that you are close to us, that you are not far. And Lord, this morning we draw near to you, knowing you have given us a promise that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So Lord, I pray this morning your word would be received this morning, Lord, knowing it won't return void. I pray that Jesus would be glorified. Father, we pray against the enemy from this place. Lord, I thank you for bringing all these people together to worship and to talk about you. And Lord, I pray that you would bind the enemy in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, and the spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that in this place, Lord, you would speak to us, you would shepherd us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning in a way that only you can, Lord. Let me get out of the way. Who cares what I have to say? Lord, we want to hear from you, from your word, Father. Please speak. And Lord, I pray for anybody in here who is like me a few years ago, who doesn't know you as their savior, I pray that they would give their lives to you today. Father, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. First question I wanna ask you, very simple, main question number one is this. Do you view the Lord as your personal shepherd? Do you view the Lord as your personal shepherd? And I want you to really think this holiday season, coming off of Thanksgiving, a time when it's sometimes hard to walk with the Lord because you got family around, and sometimes family makes it even harder, amen? I'm not calling anybody out. I love my family, too. <laughs> my dad's laughing like, hey, Daniel, you could have just told me that. <laughs> but sometimes the holiday season's a little rough. And so the first question I wanna ask you is, do you view the Lord as your personal shepherd? Now, in Psalm 23, when you cross-references, there's two words that we skip over a lot. We focus on Lord, which is fantastic, and shepherd. But there's two words in the very first Psalm of 23 that we quickly gloss over, but they teach us about the nature of God. That's what's amazing about God's word. Down to the word you can learn about the nature of God. In fact, you're gonna be surprised by what it is. David says in the very first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. There's two words. If you underline in your Bible or if you circle in your Bible, I want you to hit these two right here. Is and my. Two words, is and my. Because David makes a profound statement with this. I want you to understand. We often read over scripture and miss how profound this really is. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. So David here is speaking in the present tense. He's speaking in the here, and he's speaking in the now. The present tense, but not only that, he doesn't say was. David also doesn't necessarily use the word our. Isn't that interesting? He, even though that would be true, he doesn't say the Lord is our shepherd. He says the Lord is my shepherd. Two things, is and my. I want you to understand the significance of this. This is why it's so cool. You can meditate on one verse for an hour and still not get everything out of it. That's how deep God's word is. By saying is and my, when he says my, personal, here's a great truth, I wrote this down in my notes. The good shepherd not only cares for the group, he does, but he also cares for each individual that makes up the group. That's what David's communicating. Yes, he cares about the group as a whole, that's what a good shepherd does, but by saying my, he's saying that God cares about each individual that make up that group. That's you and that's me. 
But even bigger than that, and this will be on the screen, I believe, there's two things about the nature of God we learn from one verse, and that's this. God is present and God is personal. God is close and God is caring. Church family, this ain't flashy, but if I could give you any warning this holiday season, Satan loves to attack these two blind spots in your faith. Satan loves to attack these two blind spots in my faith. Sometimes we take for granted that God is present and we don't realize how profound that really is to us. Sometimes we take for granted just how personal God is and we don't realize how profound that is. But when Satan comes to you, when he attacks you with doubts, when he attacks you with fears, when he brings up those insecurities and those worries, a lot of times, here's what he's doing, watch this. He's attacking God's presence or that God's personal in your heart and in your mind, and he invades you, and he comes in and he starts whispering these lies to you and start to believe it. He starts to, lo- the enemy loves to say, God isn't here with you. You've gotten too far from God. You've made God too disappointed, there's no reconciliation. Or the devil loves to whisper to you, hey, God doesn't really have your best interests at heart. God doesn't really want good for you. And what happens is you would never come out in church and say it, man, I don't really think God wants good for me. It'd be embarrassing. Nobody would say that. What you do is you subconsciously begin to think, you know what? If God isn't really for me, then I've got to be for myself, which means I've got to get out in the world and build my name and build my platform and make a big brand and have success because if I don't go get it, what God's gonna bring me is not gonna make me happy. And so we put our faith in our bank account. We put our faith in our career. We put our faith in our family. And then when family ruptures, we wonder why we rupture. Because you can't put your faith in your bank account. That number's gonna change as quick as the wind changes. You can't put your faith in your family. I love your family and I love my family. But you can't have your ultimate faith in your family because the minute something breaks down at Christmas, it's chaos. And then you go home feeling like you're the only one with an imperfect family because everybody else on Instagram looks like they got a perfect one. (laughs) Sounded like a slight. (laughs) Like a subliminal shot, it wasn't. The devil loves to tell you those lies, that God isn't with you, God isn't near you. What I wanna turn your attention to is God's word. Isaiah 40, verse one says this. Speaking of the nature of God, he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Not only that, I'll turn your attention to Romans 8, verse 31 to 32, when you talk about, is God really for me? Is he really caring? Is he really personal? Paul says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? In other words, if we're walking on the path of life with the Lord, what could we come across as scarier than that? (laughs) That if you are living your life with the good shepherd, what in the world can you come across that's as powerful as Jesus Christ? The demons tremble and flee. The demons tremble and flee at the very name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. There's no trial. There's no worry. There's no storm. There's no battle you are ever going to come across that's greater than Jesus Christ. Never. Never. Jesus did not bow down to cancer. Cancer bows down to Jesus. It's hard to find hope in hospital rooms sometimes. But ultimately, I wanna tell you, Jesus will still be glorified in that hospital room when it's all said and done. And that's why I know it's hard to live that out. It's easier to say, I know, I know. But at the end of the day, there's nothing you will come across as greater than Jesus Christ. I wanna tell you, God is a full-time shepherd. This is still just, just Psalm 
23, verse one. That tells us that God is a full-time shepherd. God is not a part-time shepherd, but Satan would love to convince you that he's part-time. See, Satan doesn't always have to convince believers that God isn't real if he can just convince them that he's part-time. God is not part-time. He's not a part-time shepherd because he's not a part-time God. He's a full-time God, which means if you buy the lie in your mind this holiday season that God is a part-time God, what you'll end up believing, and I've been there myself, you'll believe God's with you on the mountaintops, but he's not with you in the valleys. You'll believe he's with you when things are going great, but not with you when things are going terrible. I wanna tell you, God is just as good when life is going great for you as when life is going terrible. That's easy to say, it's hard to live out. I know, that's why we cling to God's word. Do you know God's word? Do you read God's word? Do you wake up and intake God's word each day in order to reestablish yourself? Because all these truths I'm saying are great, but until you and me get in God's word every single day and let him shepherd us, We're never gonna view him as a good shepherd. We'll just know that he is one. That has to be a daily walking with the Lord. God is not part-time, he's a full-time God. He's your God. And I'll tell you this, for me, this was my post-Thanksgiving wake-up call. And I don't want it to sound harsh, but I want you to understand it's true. God is a full-time God, and he is not calling part-time disciples. If he's a full-time shepherd, he's not calling part-time sheep. I just wanna tell you, the great commission that Jesus gave to go therefore, be a disciple who makes disciples, is not a part-time call. That's a full-time call. What Jesus Christ is looking for is full-time sheep, full-time disciples, full-time, that are willing to live it out. That's what the Lord's looking for. And I'm telling you, in every single one of you in this room, under the sound of my voice, God loves you He cares for you, and he doesn't want to walk with you part-time. He wants to walk with you full-time because he's that good. He's that present. He's that active that he wants all of you, and he's not willing to share you. I thank goodness. I told my college students, I thank goodness that Hannah is not willing to share me with any Sally Lou that comes up the street. I'm glad she's a jealous wife. I'd want it that way. I'd be a little shocked if she wasn't. I tell you what, I'm glad that our God is a jealous God who won't share us with that speaker right there. I need to keep going. (laughs) Luke 9, verse 23 to 26, Jesus says this is a hard text to digest, but it's true. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then he expands. We often miss these verses after. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Isn't it amazing? Your greatest attempts to save your life on this earth, you'll end up losing it. But if you simply give it to Jesus, you gain everything and more. In Christ, the riches of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, Forever wants to lose, whoever wants, whoever loses his life, I'm sorry, because of me will save it. Verse 25. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Many translations say forfeits his soul. Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him, and when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. I love that carrying your cross is never easy but we have a God who will help us. Psalm 139 says this, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, verse 10, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. Isn't that an amazing promise? I wanna tell you, God's your shepherd, and the question is not how often is God available to you. It's not the question. 
There's some people in our lives that we want available to us all the time. Some of us, we crave the attention from social media and we crave having people in our lives' attention and them making themselves available to us. I want you to understand, the question is not, how often is God available to you? Understand this, church family, the question is, how available are you making yourself to God? One of, the, one of my favorite quotes on this is this right here. I'll put it on the screen. It says, if pursuing God is an afterthought, don't be surprised when your thoughts pursue after sin. Because if we can be honest, the, the mornings are tough. I hate waking up early. That's the last thing I want to do in the world. I was, I, I had 27 years old. I can still sleep at 12 o'clock. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad. Uh, college students laughing because they're in the same boat. Like, I'm never growing out of this. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, just wait. At 5 a.m. feels good. I'm like, I don't understand that. Mornings are tough, but if I can give you a really practical action step to Jesus being your shepherd, fight for your mornings. And I know this is for somebody who struggles in the morning like I do. Guess what? We in the same boat. It's hard. Fight for your mornings, because it's real easy for me to sit up here and say, hey, get, get with God in the mornings. Make sure he shepherds you every morning. It's real easy for me to say, but it's a lot harder when you got to get kids ready for school. Me and Hannah ain't even there yet. It's real easy for me to say, but it's hard to make God a priority in the mornings when you woke up and the first thing on your mind was a insecurity. It's hard to wake up in the mornings when you've got work the entire day, when you have a 12-hour shift coming and you don't have much time because you went to sleep late the night before because yesterday was a tough day, so you don't get much sleep, so you wake up, you gotta go through a 12-hour work day and you're like, man, I wanna read the word, but I just can't. But if I can tell you anything, fight for your mornings. Fight for your mornings. One of the best quotes I heard on this is this right here. A day that doesn't begin with God is a hard day to devote to God. Why do we fight for our mornings? To be legalistic? No. Who's checking anyway? What glory do you get from it? No, the reason why you fight for your mornings is because God is that good that when you spend time with him in the mornings, you are so much more spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally prepared for the day that's ahead of you. Because he shepherds you. He walks with you. I was, I'll tell you this, I was talking to a college student. College students are very honest, sometimes. <laughs> they're very real, they're very raw, they're very vulnerable sometimes. They, a lot of them, especially some of the ones that we're reaching that have no church background, they really just tell you exactly what the deal is. And it's kind of refreshing. They don't really beat around the bush with what they're struggling with. They just kind of tell you, hey, here's what I'm going through. One of the college students, who's rough around the edges, just got saved like a year ago, came to me one time, and this is what he said. It's one of the realest things I've ever heard in my life, but I've never heard anybody else say it. He said this. He said, Daniel, my problem is I sin when I wake up in the morning, and I have sin on my mind when I go to bed at night. The realest thing you'd ever hear. He said, Daniel, I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I think about is fears or worries for the day or insecurities or how I'm going to make myself known. And he said, when I lay down on my mind, all that is is lust. When I go to bed at night, lust rules my mind. I go to sleep thinking about lust. I go to sleep thinking about pride. I go to sleep thinking about jealousy. I go to sleep thinking about how to make more money. He, he told me, he said, Daniel, I wake up in the morning, sins on my mind. I go to sleep, sins on my mind. He said, so, and this is what he told me. I didn't tell him this. He said, if I start my day with sin and I end my day with sin, what do I think my whole day is gonna be full of? If I start my day with insecurities, you better believe I'm gonna live insecure. And what I told him in this moment, I said, guess what? If you begin your day with God and end your day with God, I'm not saying it's 100%, but you have a whole lot more likelihood of being like God throughout your day. A whole lot better because you have now spent time with God. And in fact, don't take my word for it. 
Because this is such a practical truth for the holiday season. Take God's word for it. I'll tell you this. Psalm 143 verse 8 says, Let me experience your faithful love in the morning, for I trust you. Reveal to me the way I should go, because I appeal to you. And then we talk about laying down at night. When a lot of us have our phones, and we have social media, and we have Facebook, and Instagram, and TikTok, and everything in the world at our disposal. The devil loves to bring sin to your mind right before you go to sleep, doesn't he? We, we, don't, we often don't wanna admit it, but waking up and going to sleep is one of the hardest things. Here's one of my favorite verses on going to sleep. It's this, Psalm 63, verses six to eight says, when I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. Helper at what? He's your shepherd. He helps you overcome temptation. He helps you know who you are. He helps you know your purpose. He helps you know your call. He helps you know how to better love people. Because of that, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. Verse eight, I follow close to you and your right hand holds on to me. I'll give you one more quote about the morning. It's lame, but I like it. I'll just tell you, it's a little lame, but I like it. It says this, you would never have a concert first, and Jeff Maxwell knows this, you would never have a concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards, so begin the day with the word of God in prayer and first get in harmony with the Lord. I tell you, it's a little lame, but I like it, it's true. You try to have a concert with untuned instruments, Jeff, that's not gonna sound too good. And trying to go through your day as a sheep without your shepherd, it's gonna be hard. Me and my wife, we, we, celebrate and prepare for the holidays and our birthdays a little bit different. <laughs> what she does is she prepares well in advance. And I kind of rally last minute, try to formulate some kind of game plan. And every birthday, this happened last year, every birthday and Christmas, this is what my wife does. I love it because it's helpful. She sends out Ben a, a birthday list of what she wants. And it's one of the most detailed lists you would ever see. I've never seen it. It looks like it has website links, attached photographs, a thesis statement on why this will be beneficial. <laughs> Detail down to the T. I got all the prices on it and what the best price is, some price comparison. Sends this out. Super helpful. I don't make a list for myself. I think that's boring. <laughs> I want to be surprised. And to be honest with you, there was a birthday for her where I, I didn't want to just buy her what was on her list that was boring. So I decided to go rogue. <laughs> I decided for her birthday, I said, I'm gonna buy her something that she has no idea <laughs> what she's gonna get. Something completely picked out by me. Now, I'll tell you, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> Before I go any further, this, did not, this story does not end good. <laughs> I would not recommend going rogue. So I know she needs a tote bag. <laughs> now, I don't know anything about tote bags, I'll be honest. I never had one, never wore one. Don't know much about tote bags, but I know she needs one. This is what I do. As anybody, any guy would, I go on to Amazon, reliable, one click. I search tote bag. <laughs> and I'm scrolling through. I'm telling you, I remember it's like it's yesterday. I'm scrolling through, and one of them catches my eye. The color was so beautiful. <laughs> I saw this bag, and like, I was like, I kind of want that color. I'll tell you the color so you have some context. It was ash rose. Yeah. Beautiful bag. Boom, one click, it's on the way. <laughs> I looked at it for 30 seconds, <sighs> bought it on the way <laughs> in the mail. Unless you love Amazon, one click. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's why a lot of us struggle with prayer because prayer is not like Amazon. You don't just get things in one click. That's side, side application. 
<laughs> I buy her this bag. This bag comes in the mail. I'm all excited about it. She has no idea she's going to get it. She opens it up. It's a true story, I'm telling you. I'm not lying about this. She opens up the bag. She pulls it out. She goes, oh, this is a beautiful color. And I was like, yes. <laughs> now, mind you, we don't have kids. I didn't look at any details or specifics on the bag. I saw the color. I was like, oh, this is for sure good. You can see pictures. Why do I need to look at details of the bag? I can see pictures. Boom. That thing's mine. Christmas over. <laughs> and she's opening it up and she's going through it and she pulls out, there's no joke, a smaller bag within the bag. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, what's this for? You know, a little square thing. I, I, you know, I don't know. I was like, that's for your iPad. <laughs> I, didn't have a I didn't have a clue. You know? I was like, that's for your iPad. And she unzips it. It's a true story. She unzips it and it starts opening like a mat. <laughs> And it opens up and it's a mat. I'm like, that's weird for an iPad. <laughs> and it says, you are the future on the mat. <laughs> I'm like, huh, how'd they know somebody young was getting it? <laughs> it's, it's like made for liquids and spills. And she looks at me in this moment, I'll never forget this, I felt crushed. She said, oh, Daniel, this is a baby bag. <laughs> and she was like, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just like the color. <laughs> Ash Rose. <laughs> I should have known when there was a little tag on it that said you are the future, and I was like, let me tear that off. <laughs> it's a baby bag. Still an adorable bag. I'll tell you this, though. It's a hilarious story, but I'll tell you this. I had perfect instructions. I was given perfect instructions. Her, listen, I couldn't blame her list that she gave me. Her list was perfect. I had the perfect instructions. I couldn't blame them, there was no flaw in it, had details, had pictures, had photographs, it was helpful, I could ask her questions, I had everything I need, but what I did is I decided to go rogue. Let me all see where this is going, like, ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> I decided to go rogue, I decided even though I'd been given the way, I decided to do it my own way. Even though I was given perfect instructions. I gotta tell you, church family, this morning, it's a goofy illustration, but it brings life to this. You have been given perfect instructions. What it means for God to be your shepherd means that you have been given perfect instructions, that you have no flaw in what God has given you. You, have, you lack nothing in the instructions that God has provided for you. <laughs> in fact, God has provided you the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus Christ, and he's also given you his word. And this word has instructions, and you know what it instructs you on? How to love God. How to love people. How to have joy. How to have purpose. How to live with purpose with other people. How to impact them. Let me tell you something. You lack nothing in instruction. I lack nothing in instruction. We have a perfect word. Here's what happens. You are like me. When it comes down to it, we all want to go rogue. We all want to do it our own way. Let's be honest. That's what our flesh wants. See, I looked at Hannah's list and subconsciously what I told myself is, oh, I can do better than that. And a lot of times when we get instructions from God's word, such as sex is for marriage, not for before marriage, when we get instructions on drunkenness is a sin, when we get instructions that we don't like, we subconsciously tell ourselves sometimes, oh, I can do better than that. And I'll tell you something else. I didn't look at any details of the bag because the beautiful colors drew me away. That's all I needed to see to hit click purchase. Let me tell you something. As the devil operates and as he tempts you and as your flesh is tempted, he brings you temptation that looks beautiful like ash rose. Temptation looks beautiful. And a lot of times what you and I do is, since we want to do it our own way, because of our flesh, because we're sheep, what we do is we never look at the details and the specs of temptation. We just, boop. 
I'm worried, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna find my validation in people and not the Lord. Boom, one click. And it creates an idol effect inside of us. I wanna tell you, you have all you need in God's word. You lack nothing if you would run and meditate on this. That is the way. That is the way. Before I give you the second question, the last thing I'll tell you is God being your shepherd is reflected by how you obey his word. If God is really your shepherd, it will be reflected in how you obey his word. Now, the second question I have is this, and the main question number two is, do you view yourself as sheep? So the first question we're understanding, do we view Jesus as our personal shepherd, that he's a present and a personal shepherd? But not only that, number two, let's turn the attention onto us for just a moment here. Jesus is the perfect good shepherd, but at the end of the day, our, our sermon in a sentence is this, remember, until you view yourself as sheep, you'll never realize you have a need for a shepherd. You'll continue to try to just lead yourself. Now, I want to give you four qualities, and I'm gonna move through these quickly, I promise. I'm gonna give you four qualities of sheep and how that pertains to John 10 and Psalm 23, specifically when you look at what David says about the Lord viewing himself as sheep. Now, I don't want to offend you with these. I don't wanna make you mad with these, but I just wanna tell you their reality. The first one is, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. But the first one is A, dumb. In fact, I put sorry, but it's true on there. If you wanna write that down, you're welcome to. I won't be mad. Dumb, I, let's get it out of the way. It's all over scripture. We see it play out in Psalm 23. Sheep are dumb. It's very possible that the dumbest animals, and this may be a big statement, but it's possible that the dumbest animals in all creation say, Daniel, goodness. I'll tell you this, here's one thing I found when I was researching sheep. If a sheep starts to walk in a circle, they'll start going in a circle, and this is what happened. Other sheep will see they're walking in a circle and assume it knows where it's going, so they jump in line and start all going in a circle. <laughs> and the whole group will go in a circle, and the entire time they think they're going somewhere. <laughs> That's what sheep do. That's how dumb they are. They'll, one will get it started, and everybody else is like, well, he looks confident, and they just, <laughs> they just get into this circle. And you start thinking about it, that's kind of our world sometimes. We don't really know where we're going apart from God's word. One person looks like they're going in a circle, so we just kind of jump in. And, and that's how a lot of sin and temptation happens. In high school, it looked like these people who were smoking marijuana knew where they were going, even though their lives were going in a circle. But me and my buddies were like, well, we might as well just jump in. They, at least they know where they're going. And we spend two years in a circle going nowhere. That's what happens with people. Sheep are dumb. And I know you may be the most intelligent person in the world. You may be saying, Daniel, I've got four degrees. I'm a biomedical engineer. I am smart, and I would agree. My only question is, who gave you the brain that has that intelligence? I don't have those degrees. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the tray. But the brain God did give me, he gave me. And even as intelligent and smart and as achievable, as, as accomplished as you may be, I want you to understand God gave you those opportunities. He gave you your mind. He gave you life. If he gives you the very breath in your lungs, how can you take credit for anything? because he gives you life. Sheep are dumb, we are dumb. In fact, Isaiah 53 verse six says this. It says, we all went astray like sheep. All, we all have turned to our own way and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. As human beings, we're dumb. Apart from God, we have nothing to offer. And we, we live in a generation today and I see it with our college students. I see it in myself, I'll put this on the screen. Often godly decisions are lost due to poor emotional responses. 
Oftentimes, godly decisions are lost due to poor emotional responses. These are the decisions we make because when we're not walking with the Lord, we're not really operating out of any kind of wisdom, which is something only the Lord can bring you. You can obtain knowledge, but wisdom comes from the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. There's many people in this world who think they're wise, but they don't fear the Lord. That wisdom will perish with them. It's, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. But God gives us wisdom. And here's amazing. Even though sheep are dumb, even though we are fragile people who get offended at Thanksgiving when somebody says, asks us why we're still single and not married, <laughs> even though we're fragile people who get frustrated in traffic, even though we're fragile people, we're jars of clay. And God has chosen to put his surpassing power in you as a jar of clay because he's going to get all the glory which is what you want at the end of the day because you and I didn't die on the cross for anybody's soul. Jesus did, and he rose from the grave, and we are called to give him the glory because that's what he deserves. That's what he deserves. That's the first thing you have to understand about sheep. But not only that, B, they're defenseless. So sheep are a little dumb. We are a little dumb. Apart from the Lord, we need the Lord's wisdom. We need God's word. We need him. We're also defenseless. We have an enemy who operates as a slider, who loves to come and steal and kill and destroy. And in Psalm 23, if I can turn your attention back there of what David says, David says specifically in verses four to five, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Why? Because I'm strong. I've been in the gym. I bench 405. That's why I don't worry. No, he doesn't say that. Maybe he did. We don't know. <laughs> he doesn't say, I fear no danger. Because I'm the smartest dude in the planet. He doesn't say I fear no danger because I got all these degrees. He doesn't say I don't fear danger because I've got a whole lot of money. Those are great things, and I'm not down on those things. But what he says is his defense is the Lord. He says, I love it. He says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Let me remind you, the rod represents protection. The staff represents direction. And sheep are directionally challenged animals. You say, do, do we see that in humanity? Let me remind you, Israel wandered for how many years? How many years? 40 in the, in the wilderness, circling, going nowhere. Because we're directionally challenged people. Sheep are directly challenged, challenged animals. We need direction. I love this quote. I put this one on the screen too in studying this passage. It said this, sin will have you wandering in a valley. The shepherd will have you charging up to the mountaintop. Which do you want? Sin will have you wandering in a valley. The shepherd will have you charged up to the mountaintop. And one of my favorite parts of Psalm 23 is the anointing. And then with every sermon, with every moment, I try to pray this. I pray that the Lord would anoint my head with oil. You say, Daniel, what does that mean? I love this. I want to show you this about sheep. This quote will be on the screen. Here it is right here. Look at this. Here's what anointing with oil, why they anoint sheep's oil. It says sheep can get their head caught in briars and die trying to get untangled. They get their head stuck. <laughs> Some of us, we got big heads and we get it stuck sometimes. I got a big one. My pride gets me stuck in situations. It says that there are horrible little flies that like to torment sheep. Now this is gross, fair warning. They like to torment sheep by laying eggs in their nostrils, which turn into worms. And what it does is it drives the sheep to beat their head against the rock, sometimes to death. Their ears and eyes are also susceptible. Look at this. And not only the head, the brain, but their, their ears, their eyes are susceptible to insects. So what the shepherd does is it's a beautiful picture. Think about God and prayer as you think about David saying this with sheep. What they do with the sheep is they anoint their entire head with oil. 
and there's peace. And this oil forms a barrier of protection against the evil that tries to destroy the sheep. Can you imagine that? I pray that every day. Lord, anoint my head with oil. Do you know why David says he needs the same thing like a sheep does? Watch this, Connor. Because he believes and knows his mind is under attack too. That's why David prays for his head to be anointed. Because his mind is under attack. I believe, I wrote this down, that the eggs that are laid by insects in sheep's head, I believe that illustrates the tiny little thoughts that Satan loves to send our way. Those fiery darts. And what happens with some of those lies of Satan? Let's be real honest. Let's be real. When some of those fiery darts from the enemy plant up here, it spreads. And one what-if situation becomes 10 what-if situations. Isn't that amazing? One what-if situation never ends with just one, God bless you. It spreads to 10 what-if situations. And by the end of it, you're off into 10 years wondering what if. Because it spreads and it drives you crazy. Prayer and God's word, what God does is he anoints your head with oil. You don't need any real oil and praise God for that. You don't need real oil. What you need is prayer because what that does is, watch this, those thoughts, those worries, those insecurities, those fears that drive you crazy that are spreading up here, when you're in prayer, it gives you this supernatural covering, this supernatural protection on your head that protects your eyes and what you see, your ears, and what you hear, and your mind, what you think. And if you wanna to try to walk around this world, which is fallen and sinful, without the head covering that God offers you, I just wanna ask you why. What if each morning you woke up, 60 seconds, prayed for the Lord to anoint your head? Father, cover my ears. Don't let me hear gossip. Don't let me entertain it. Don't let me hear slander. Don't let me entertain it. Don't let me hear curse words. Don't let me entertain them from my own tongue. Father, cover my eyes. Don't let me look at what I want to look at on my phone, what my flesh wants to look at on my phone. Cover my eyes. Father, don't let me look at my coworkers the way I want to look at my coworkers. Anoint my head and cover my eyes so that I can honor them and love them. Father, cover my head so that it doesn't get so big, but it stays humble so that I can be used by you. What if you started to pray that? I'll tell you this. Your life will be changed. Your everyday experience throughout hours, hourly, will be different if you pray that and mean it because the God we have is a God who keeps his promises. And if he's a good shepherd, that means when you ask for the oil, he's always gonna be there to provide it. That's what makes him a good shepherd. I need to keep going. That's what makes him a good shepherd. Not only that, moving very quickly, C, dependent. Because we are dumb, because we are defenseless, let's get to the little good stuff here. We must be dependent on the Lord. David says in verse two of Psalm 23, he says, God makes me lie down in green pastures. That's, a that's not a request or a suggestion, that's a command. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. I've said it before, every time I say it, it impacts somebody, I'll say it again, I know that you've heard this, I hate public speaking. I can't stand public speaking. I've hated it my entire life. When I was in high school and had to give a speech, I'd hold the paper, and it was so embarrassing when that paper would shake, and people would be laughing at me. I'll never forget in 10th grade English, when I was giving a speech, and my hands were shaking so much that the girl in the front row, I looked up from the paper, and she was looking at me like, yeah. 
This dude's having a seizure. <laughs> I hate public speaking. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I can't stand it. God calls me to be a preacher. <laughs> My dad said the other day, he's like, can you believe I raised a preacher? <laughs> Like, yes, I want to tell my dad, yes, because of God, not me. I hate public speaking. The only reason I can get up here and preach is because of the spirit of the Lord. He called me to my greatest fear. <laughs> he called me to my greatest fear. And sometimes I get mad about it. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> he called me to my greatest fear. And I'll tell you why, because two things, it activates my greatest faith and it gives him the greatest glory. It activates the greatest faith in me because when I'm coming up here, boom, 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 heart's pounding. I gotta give it to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, give me that peace you talk about in scripture. <laughs> Anoint my head with oil, I need it. And then when I preach, people would never think it was me in the first place. People from high school are like, man, God did do something with you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, some of them don't believe it's God, but they're like, something happened. <laughs> and can I tell you, God might be calling you out of your comfort zone. God may call you to your greatest fear. Are you okay with that? I believe it'll activate your greatest faith. I believe it'll give him the greatest glory. That's why he doesn't. That's why he doesn't choose Moses when he's 40 and big man. He chooses Moses when he's 80, the meekest man on earth, the shepherd, because he knows that's what's gonna get him the glory, not, oh, I'm Mr. Big and I'm Mr. Tough. What in your life could God be calling you to that's out of your comfort zone? What fear could he be calling you to this morning? The other side of fear is faith. The other side of fear is confidence. The other side of fear is God's glory. Would you step out into it? Would you say yes to the Lord? I wanna tell you, as scary as that may seem, whatever it is for you, I don't know, you do. Would you step out in faith? I love this. Some of you are here this morning, if I can be honest, you're in a valley this very morning. You walked in those doors in a valley. You're in a storm. You have worries. You have fears, you have insecurities, you have things weighing over your head, your shoulders feel like you have two boulders just sitting on them because they're heavy. It's hard to even think about where you are right now because you think about this week in which you have coming. You're in a valley and it's hard. Here's what you have to remember with valleys and mountains. Hear me for a moment. When you're traveling with a shepherd, you can't go from mountaintop to mountaintop. When you're traveling with a shepherd, the only way from one mountaintop to another mountaintop is through a valley. And some of you are in that valley and you just sat down and you just whine and you're just afraid and you're just scared and you can't even get to the mountaintop God's calling you to because your eyes are too focused on the dark valley. The shepherd may take you through a dark valley so that your eyes have no choice but to see the light of Jesus for the first time. So if you're in a valley this morning, here's my exhortation to you. Do what David did. Keep walking. Keep going. Because just as God is faithful to bring you through trials, he's faithful to bring you blessings, to bring you good things in this world, to bring you through hurt, to heal that depression, to heal that anxiety, to take away those fears. He's faithful if you'll keep walking with him as your shepherd. Deuteronomy 31 verse eight says, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And then John 10 verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And the very last one I'll give you is D, dirty. 
Some of you walked in this morning feeling this way. Sheep have a white clothing, a white coat that constantly gets dirty and they can't clean themselves. So what the shepherd does is, you imagine David being a shepherd, probably thought about this. He comes alongside them and he, the shepherd cleans the sheep. He washes them white as snow. Some of you came in this morning dirty with the sin of this world and you feel it. You can't clean yourself. But there is a shepherd who's offering to cleanse you. In fact, Psalm 51 verse seven says, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for your sins and shed his blood, paid your penalty, paid your debt. And through him, when he rose from the grave, you have power to overcome that sin. You don't have to be a slave. You don't have to be stuck any longer. If you would come to Jesus, you would find restoration, you would find freedom, and I promise you, you would be restored. And he will clean you, he will wash you, he will pick you up, and he will use you in ways you can never imagine. That's because he's a good shepherd. 